Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Southcombe and today I'm joined by Delmi Parfit and we're here to discuss Wales' autumn campaign and look ahead to the Six Nations and all the regional action in between. Uh, so Del, let's get straight in. You look back on that series from Wales. What's your, what's your overriding emotion? What's your first thoughts? Um, probably uh, disappointment. Uh, I'll, I'll be accused of being a, a bit of a misery, but that's just the way I feel, Matt. Um, I think um, there was a little bit uh, to cheer people up, I think, at the end um, in, in the win against South Africa, although I really think that was clouded by... The, the awfulness of that Springbok side, I think, you know, that had to be the overriding factor in that game. Um, and I thought uh, what came before that, well, I thought it was a bit of a new low against Australia. I thought Argentina was hard fought and dogged, but very, very low on entertainment and quality. And Japan was almost a real embarrassment. Mm. So uh, I think despite, uh, you know, some of the noises we've heard from the camp, I think it was an autumn that has to be put in context. Yes, it was three wins out of four, but uh, I think we've we've got an awful lot of improvement to do. Um, let's try and pick you back up after that. And play of the series, um, it was there were a few standout performers. Admittedly, some of the performances didn't quite measure up, but there were one or two players who who made their mark on that series. If you're looking at the series. I, I think someone probably like Ross Moriarty has to be up there, yeah. um, you know, in terms of um, playing across all the games. I think, you know, other other players ca- came and, and went, sort of flitted in and out of it. Um, I, unfortunately, and sort of following on from my earlier comments, I thought a lot of the more sort of some of the more established players didn't do themselves much justice. I mean, Sam Warburton was was it was injured as well for parts of it, but. I thought was um, I, th- I think he needs to do more. I think George North does. I think Jonathan Davis showed glimpses, but can do a lo- an awful lot better. Um, you know, Dan Bigger as well, maybe. Uh, although he he did have a good game against the box. Um, Alan Wynne Jones, I thought was was outstanding, and um, that uh, that Argentina game when he led from the front. I think that'll live long in a lot of memories. But uh, other than that. Um, I don't think there were all that many individual positives. Just in Tipperick as well, I, mm. I thought in that last game um, in particular was was exceptional. But um, bit of a resurgence from Gethin as well at times. Yeah, he's, he's he seems to be evergreen. He really does. Um, I feel like just when you're ready to write Gethin off, he just sort of produces one game and then follows it up with another decent game. And you know, there's been a lot of pressure on him. Over the last 12 months, 18 months with Rob Evans coming through. Yeah, um, what's good for Gethin, I think, is that he's, he seems to have put those calf problems behind him. He seems to be putting games together. And, mm. and look, I agree. I, uh, you know, at the end of last season, I, I thought, well, you know, it's, we're getting close to seeing the back of Gethin now. But yeah. he, I don't think it's beyond the realms that he could actually go on the Lions tour. And I remember yeah. when I saw him out there in Australia, I thought, well, oh, this is definitely the last tour for, for, for Geth in, in 2013. But who knows, maybe not. And, and he shows, um, he's shown this this autumn that he's still got quite a bit of fuel left in the tank test-wise. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned a few concerns over individuals there, but some of the problems that we saw in this autumn were a lot wider than that and a lot more general. 
than that? What, what are the main concerns that you would take into the Six Nations from that series? It's still, for me, Matt, a lack of a clinical edge in attack, um, a lack of an ability to finish off chances and exploit overlaps. Uh, more general than that, I think it's just a lack of vision from players. And there's a lot of players... I, I'd use Sam Warburton again. He's very good at what he does. But sometimes I think plays with blinkers on, metaphorically speaking. Um, I, I think you can apply that to a few others as well. Jonathan Davis in the centre sort of was running his wings out of space in the, uh, against the, uh, South Africa. Um, and it's just, just that ability to put the heads up and, and try and think your way out of a difficult situation at times and try and change the, the tactical approach, something that you know, the All Blacks, I know they're used as the benchmark for so many things, but for that they really are the masters of spotting problems and, and working out how to solve them themselves rather than waiting for the half-time t- team talk. Yeah, just picking up on what you said about the attack there, there were a few times this autumn where... Wales did make inroads, they had teams reeling, defences unorganised and then they just decided to slow it down or give it to Roberts or somebody to crash up or pick a forward whereas in those instances, like you said you see the All Blacks, as soon as they're in behind 9 times out of 10, the writing's on the wall I just feel like a, there, was a, there was a hint in some games that we, we still haven't moved on from that period where we failed to score against Australia at the World Cup when they had 13 men on the field and that that the lack of um, trying to find the words, the creativity, or or yeah. the way that they haven't reinvented themselves at all in attacking. You know, that's got to be a worry heading into the Six Nations. It is. It is. It's 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 it's, it's that that phrase again that I used. It's just head, heads up rugby. Um, it's astonishing when you think back that they, 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 they failed to score in that that period in that World Cup game against Australia. And uh, I, I just think that it's. Um, a lot of it is down to the way, A, they've been uh, told to play for the last few years, the sort of uh, more direct brute force approach, and B, some of it is down to the way they've been brought up through the system in Wales, the academy system, um, the regional system as well. Um, I think there is too much emphasis on, on seeking contact and power, and unfortunately, it's not something that you can just switch overnight. Um, they're saying it's going to take Wales a long time to develop that game. I'm not sure that to the standard they want to be at. That you know, I don't know if we'll ever get there. To be quite honest, not with this set of players. At no, least. no. Um, on the flip side of that, just to be a little bit more positive, is there something to be said for winning these games whilst not being at your best? I know we've mentioned that the opposition weren't quite up to par. I mean. Argentina had clearly run out of steam and that showed in their results since the Welsh game. Um, Japan, like you said, gave us a massive fright and South Africa, widely regarded as the worst South African team ever, but you can only beat what's in front of you and you know, there's got to, got to be something to be said for winning these games and playing poorly. Can they take confidence from that? Well, I mean, look, how many times have, have, have Wales maybe lost games in the past, claimed they'd played well and then been swept aside by the media who've told them it's a results business that's yeah. all that matters so you could say they and they probably are saying yeah. you can't have it both ways and and look yes a win is a win at the end of the day and it goes down in the, in the record books it allows you to build a little bit of momentum and confidence no matter how they come and you can't dismiss victory um 
but there's also a flip side. I don't think you can read too much into it or let it give you a, a sense of security, which maybe you're not entitled to. Mm. Um, and I think there's undoubted um, reasons to think that of Wales this autumn. That the Six Nations is just going to be a completely different affair. Uh, yeah. Completely different. Okay. Um, Sam Davis, big talking point in this autumn. Um, obviously just signed a new deal with the Ospreys, which is great for them. A lot of people are saying they would have liked to have seen more of Sam. I know he came on, he played a bit of 15 in the last game, not as much at fly half as some people would have wanted. How would you think he was managed in this autumn? Uh, I'd have liked to have seen more, more of him on the, on the pitch, I, I must admit. Um, I think it was probably right that he didn't start the first game. Mm. But I think after that, after that first game, um, there was maybe an opportunity to, to, to have started him against Argentina. Mm. Um and potentially, potentially have involved him against South Africa. Although I think Dan Bigger vindicated the decision to start with him. I think he, yeah. it'll be good for Dan Bigger because he he has already, if you like, responded to Sam Davis's presence. Yeah. Uh, the challenge now for Sam Davis, look, he, he he will look back on this autumn campaign positively now, simply because of what he did in that that Japan game. He was on a on a, an otherwise disappointing day. He was the hero. But I think if you look back from four games, what did he get? 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. He, so yeah, I, I, look, I would have liked to have seen him start one of the other one of the other games. I must admit. Yeah. Um, another one, another youngster from the Ospreys. We're talking about Keelan Giles. Um, another massive talking point. Um, you know, where, where do you stand on Keelan Giles? Should he have seen some action this autumn? Well, that he wasn't brought off the bench against Japan, I thought was the wrong decision. I thought Wales should have brought him on after 50, 55 minutes and given him a decent chunk of that match. Um, he, he is the sort of guy who could have got Wales a try out of nothing. And I think if he'd done that, um, Wales could have gone on and maybe got the, the kind of win that people were expecting against Japan. Uh, I think maybe some of the some of the players out there who have sort of got themselves stuck in a bit of a rut against the Japanese might have taken a bit of inspiration from him coming on as well uh, so I, I couldn't understand why why he wasn't introduced in in that game in in particular and then depending on how he'd done yeah um he could have maybe featured as a, a replacement against the box so um you know you're talking about you know the the people will be talking about him again in the six nations but you'll have all the sort of question marks in a tournament like that well is it the right place to to bring yeah. youngsters in and, 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 all, and all the rest of it. So we've missed a chance with him, I really think. that. Yeah, another another big talking point from this autumn, um, almost unthinkable a, a few years ago, but Jamie, Jamie Roberts has seriously relinquished a, a bit of a grasp on that number 12 jersey. Uh, Scott Williams appears, in my opinion, to be first choice in that position now, mm-hmm. heading into the Six Nations. Um, what have you made of Jamie Roberts and the way he's been handled this, uh, this autumn? I think he's been handled... Fairly, really. Um, he was given the start against Australia. That, that is sort of reputation, if you like, um, you'd have expected. But um, he, he was poor, and he, and he admitted he was poor. And um, a great interview that was, by the way. Yeah, and 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 I wouldn't expect anything else from him because he's an honest guy. He's a well-spoken. Obviously, he's an intelligent bloke, mm. and he, he held his hands up, and he and he was. He was very good by all accounts in the week building up to the Argentina game where he accepted he wasn't in the team um, and, and just sort of helped the training session. 
scored a try against uh, against Japan when he when he came back. But having said that, I I I don't know. I I think you know, are we reading too much into it? I'm not not sure we are. I think unless something unforeseen happens, I think he will start as a replacement at the at best in the Six Nations, and it's up to Scott Williams and and Jonathan Davis now to to keep the jerseys and and where Jamie features from here on in um, I really don't know I mean there could be an injury there probably will be at the Six Nations given what it is yeah. and he could come back I don't expect him to be frozen out no. but I think his influence will wane for definite what do you make with putting him, uh, putting him on the bench then? because uh, I said I don't big myself up very often but I will on this occasion I said when they named the team for South Africa that if Liam Williams gets injured Wales have got a problem because there's no outside back cover anywhere and I, I just knew that Sam Davis would end up at 15 at some stage in that game. Liam Williams got injured. Sam Davis had to play 15 because there was no other outside back cover on the bench. Um, is he, you know, is it right for somebody who, you know, Jamie's good at what he does, but he is limited in what he does as well. So is he, putting him on the bench, is that a halfway house? Well, I, I think you've got to realise... Um, I, th- I, I can see where you're coming from, Matt, and I think it's a sound argument, but I think you've also got to realise that replacements are there to do different things. Now, you can imagine a game where Wales perhaps don't need a spark going into the latter stages, need to maybe shore things up a bit, yeah. and maybe need some experience to take them across the line. Well, he would be fantastic yeah. in a situation like that. Um, he could shore up a defence he could get Wales over the gain line and play in a few of the percentages he can talk he can by his presence alone yeah. perhaps uh, inject something that, that Wales needs depending on how the game's going so I wouldn't sort of dismiss him as a as a replacement by any means but I agree with you he, he's not the guy who's going to come a, you know, necessarily come across a come off a bench and change the course of a game with a piece of magic mm. um, he's not that type of player let's, let's talk about the the way the, the series sort of flowed and how it developed over November we know Wales 32-8 against Australia it was a dismal start to the campaign no two ways about it um, do we see any progress after that game because there was a lot of pressure on Wales after that to really perform throughout the November series unfortunately though Matt I thought that set the tone for the series and Wales have been notoriously slow starters, but that was just the pits yeah. performance, especially the first half. I think it left a lot of people in just disbelief at how um, shambolic they were and how off the pace and seemingly lacking in intensity they were. And there's mm. no excuse for that, really. Uh, and I think the the, the 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 ferocity of the of the criticism in the week after that, I think it probably drain their confidence a little bit as much as when you're a test rugby player you have to deal with the outcry just as you deal with the adulation yeah. but I think they were nervous then against Argentina I think they uh, they really sort of went into their shells and, and sort of dogged that out yeah. and and I think it was the same um, for the rest of the series I think when they when Japan threw it around a little bit and did a couple of unexpected things and scored a couple of tries I think Wales, it affected Wales. Yeah. Um, you know, so instead of grabbing the game, you know, by the scruff of the neck, they 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 were sort of tentative and 
they looked like they were lacking in confidence. You talk about that confidence in the Argentina game and, and the nerves. I think that was evident in the way that every time they threatened to pull away in that game, there was a mistake, there was a drop ball, I think there was a kick out on the full as well. It was just gifted territory back to Argentina. It was the same in South Af- the South Africa game. They were 26 ahead with a good chunk of that game left. You know, It would have been great to have gone on and, and seen them make it you know, 38-6 or 46, but... Yeah. No, they ne- they didn't. They got a lovely try through to, to Bridge at the end, but they never pulled clear. And I think, again, it was a sort of confidence thing. So in that Japan game, was it a case of um, they were being criticised for the, the way they were playing? The, the game plan hasn't evolved as quickly as many would have liked. Were they too guilty of trying too much in that game, throwing offloads when they weren't on? I think that was alluded to in post-match press conferences and, and analysis and such. But I just got the sense that they were forcing the issue, particularly at half-back with Anscombe. I think he was probably trying to do a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, what was your read on how they performed against Yeah, you? well, I mean, the Anscombe sort of basketball pass sticks in everybody's mind and they were punished with a try for that. Um, potentially, yes. Again, the problem was that they scored two reasonably well-created tries through Dan Lydiot and, and Roberts. And you would think that they would then relax a little bit and start uh, not playing the percentages, but you know, ask ask Lee Halfpenny to kick a couple of penalties. Mm. Just keep that scoreboard stretching away from the Japanese and build the score, and then get the points in the last quarter. I think you're right. Wales got too bound up in in trying to to, to entertain and and, and in, to me in the mindset of thinking, right, this is the fixture where. If we're going to cut loose, we cut loose. Mm. And it seemed to be at all costs rather than sort of cold-headed mm. decision-making. Winning the game. Do they deserve credit for the way that they won that game, though, in the end? I mean, Sam Davis obviously deserves deserves some credit for the way he, he dropped well, the goal. He deserves credit, yeah, because it was a brilliant drop goal. Yeah. But do they deserve credit for the way they beat Japan? No, I don't think they do. OK, we'll move on then. Um, South Africa, I kind of feel like they need another game after South Africa. I think I wanted a game... This week because it's difficult. You you, 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 you didn't have much company then. I take, <laughs> <laughs> I take your point. I think that, a lot of people were glad to see the back of it, but but I, I just feel like it's difficult to get a read on where Wales are now because they've beaten South Africa, great record margin, great. But it was such a bad South Africa team, and we haven't seen Wales play against the team who who I think we should be measuring ourselves against since Australia. So. I can't help but leave this autumn series thinking that the only team that we've really played who were on their money, Australia, and obviously Japan, but Australia, you know, top-tier nation, somebody who we should be comparing ourselves with, beat us 32-8. And I, I just think if, if we had somebody, I don't know, maybe like a France or, or an Ireland this week, just to get a real gauge on where Wales are ahead of the Six Nations, can, how would you assess that? Well, I, I would say to that, Matt, that you won't have too long to wait because I think uh, the Six Nations is really upon us. It's just around the corner. Once we get Christmas over with, it's the real sort of countdown to it. Uh, I think um, I think we really will find out what what this autumn has meant um, in, in, in that Six Nations. Um, I think the first game up, Italy, is, is no longer a right, let's go to Rome and... and Let's get thirty points. Absolutely not. It's let's go to Rome and win. Yeah. Now, that that's 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 all there is to it. And and then the next game after that is the England game. And and I suppose 
you know that that is the real benchmark, isn't it? There well, it is. Yeah. There won't be another a better benchmark than that. They're no. the Grand Slam champions. Does does form go out the window in those kind of games? Though I I always say it does, but I mean, you know, no, I don't think it does. No? I to, to a degree maybe, but I think I think generally the best side wins it and. You know, England, there's a lot made about, oh, England won't fancy the, the Principality Stadium. And, you know, look, I don't buy that. I think England have, England came down here when Martin Johnson was in charge and won. Yeah. Um, and they won last time they were here. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm always amazed at how populated with English fans the, the stadium is when they come down here. Mm. They seem to find tickets. And I think it, it'll be quite the opposite. England will be inspired by that surrounding. Eddie Jones will have them wound up. I, I, I dare say there'll be more than a few verbal grenades in the build-up. And um, no, I don't. I, I really don't think it's the factor that people make out. And especially if England get a good start and get a couple of tries in the first quarter, then the Principality Stadium will just go deathly quiet. Yeah. It always does. You know, yeah. the, it's, you know, like the same I, can be said for any fixture. You know, if you if you get if you get in front early, yeah, then yeah. Um, South Africa win then. What what did it do for the management? Because if they had lost that game, they would have been under some serious serious pressure. They, they would have been, but I don't think it would have been. I don't think they would have lost their jobs. Mm. I don't think it would have changed anything. I just think it would have. It would have added enormously to the to the pressure they were under. I think they were able to say we've beaten South Africa. They were able to point to their results record. And that gave them a bit of an out. Mm. Um, but I don't think... I don't know whether this is the right phrase. I don't think it fooled anybody, really. Yeah. Because you've, you've only got to look at, at social media. You've only got to listen uh, to the radio every now and again to pick up on, on, on the, the consensus, really, in Wales, which I think is that it's it's not very enjoyable and it's got to be better. And the the, the issue underpinning it all... And I don't know how genuine or um, right, right or wrong this is. Is is the sense that the tickets, ticket sales are, are dropping? The WIU would argue they're not, mm. um, and the prices are fair. But I've noticed that as well. It's, it's been a lot more. V- it's almost a disconnect between yeah, the Welsh yeah, and the It's, been a, and it's been a lot more vocal. Mm. People are complaining about the team, and they're complaining about how much it costs to go to games. Yeah. Um, the thing is, they haven't got to worry for a while the union because you know in the, the first sort of six months of next year there's two matches England and Ireland they're going to sell out yeah. if Welsh if Welsh fans don't buy the tickets then the English and Irish will mm-hmm. alright last one then before we get on to the regions um, heading into the Six Nations then what sort of what's your feelings how hopeful are you of a successful campaign for Wales I mean what is a successful campaign for Wales at the moment do you know what I think three wins Mm. Would would be a success, yeah. um, and that's just I, where we are at the moment. Yeah, it is. I think you have to be realistic. You know, England and Ireland are are, are, are going to be the ones to beat. I think if uh, if Wales can can win three, and whether that means that they lose one of the away games and and get one of the England or Irish scalps, you know that which which if we were to win either one of those home matches, it would be a huge huge boost. And it would be a real... No, Howley and his guys could then point to that and say, well, yeah. you know, that would be a genuine a genuine feather in their, in their caps, you know. Um, but I think, yeah, if we, we've got to aim 
we got to aim to win more than we lose, which is three. Mm-hmm. But obviously, a lot of rugby to be played between now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I agree. Um, I think um, you know the regional game will be important as it always is over the festive period. There's some big games and, and some good derby fixtures. Uh, but I don't know what uh, I don't know what you think, Matt, about progress. I mean, we've seen a couple of games or a few games during the autumn series, and I noticed the Blues are having a little bit of a, a wobble. I, I know you you know players are away on international duty, but yeah. they've lost four of the last five now, haven't they? Yeah, well, I mean, where do you start with the Blues? I guess at the start of the season, obviously they're in flying form, and you're thinking, oh, maybe this year they finally turned a corner, but they're back down in seventh in the league now. Um, Lost the derby to the Scarlets right at the end of October when their players were away with Wales. Uh, you know that's a, a, an argument for another time, I guess. But um, a couple of Anglo-Welsh fixtures they lost heavily as well against the Ospreys. The game spun on the red card for Bighton. New prop Anton, bear with me on this. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have even attempted it. Hey, Chris, really? The Georgian prop. Take your word for it. Second game for the region. He's done for Bighton. Six-week ban. You know, make of that what you will. And they've lost to Connaught, um, who themselves haven't had a great season after winning uh, the league last year. So, you know, they, they have wobbled a little bit. Um, and they'll be hoping that when the internationals do come back, that it'll steady the ship slightly. Uh, they've got Ulster on Saturday. Um, and the bottom line is they just need to put a run of games together. That's no gimme, though, is it? It's, that's another tough, tough game. Well, it is, yeah. But, I mean, at the start of the season, they were beating the likes of Glasgow, if I remember rightly, quite comfortably. So, you know... There's obviously the potential in this side, but they've just got to sort of find their mojo again. I think that's the real, the real issue. I see the Ospreys uh, had a good win against Glasgow, didn't they? And um, yeah. I, they're once again sort of easing themselves into the position where they're our flagship team, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, again, and like I said, you know, I thought maybe the Blues were going to challenge that at the start of the season. The Scarlets had a dreadful start to the year, so uh, to be honest, I'd sort of written them off, and we'll come on to them in a minute. But um, yeah, I think the Ospreys have probably got the deeper squad out of the Welsh regions. They, they obviously contribute the most to the Welsh side. Um, but I think they deal with international windows very well now because they've got these youngsters coming through, as we've seen with Keelan Giles and the like. Um, but yeah, they've won, um, what are we talking here, uh, three out of their last five. Um, one of those defeats came to Harlequins in the Anglo-Welsh Cup. Uh, the other one was the 33-0 out in Munster. Um Obviously, a Munster side at the time who were massively galvanised by the tragic loss of Anthony Foley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know that that one would have been a bit of a surprise to the to the Ospreys. I don't think they've been beaten like that for a while. No. Um, but yeah, there was a good win over Glasgow um, last time out, twenty-two-five. So I think with their with their internationals returning now, they're just going to go from strength to strength. Um, Edinburgh on Friday night, and the Dragons have just beaten them. So third in the league for the Ospreys as long as they can keep pace with the league leaders um, you'd expect them to get past Edinburgh the way that they played on on Sunday with a bonus point I'd imagine so as long as the Ospreys can keep pace and stay in the playoff hunt you've got to fancy them as a, one of our top regions and the only ones rivaling them are the Scarlets at the moment so we're talking just mentioned there about Wales players coming back I guess if, if there's a region that really needs their Wales players to have an influence in the the coming month to six weeks and maybe well definitely for the second half of the season it's the Scarlets you know the likes of the two centres and, and, and Gareth Davis and, and, and the rest of them yeah I mean when they were there at the start of the year they, like we said they, they got off to a dreadful start of the season and you're sort of wondering well you know 
there was a lot of expectation on them with Jonathan Davis coming back and stuff, and they weren't really producing at the time. Um, they put a run of games together here, four wins out of five in the, in the international break, and they've got Zebra on Saturday. Um, I watched them against Glasgow uh, in the first week of the Autumn Series, and that was a very impressive win. They, they pulled away quite easily at the start of the second half, I think. Um, Glasgow were disappointing on, on that day, but that's another, that's another story. They beat Leinster last time out. Um, they stretched out to a, quite a healthy lead, but probably took their foot off the gas after about an hour. Let Leinster back in, but it was still a 38-29 scoreline, which could have been a lot, a lot worse for the Irish side. Um, so again, you know, it, for all we've said about the Ospreys, I think the Scarlets have, have really come to the fore in this autumn series, um, sort of away from the spotlight with everybody watching things at the Principality Stadium. Does, does that in itself say something, though, that it takes a sort of phony war situation for them to sort of start harvesting the points that perhaps you'd have expected them to, to be putting on yeah, the board? And, and the other thing I, want, I wanted to sort of broach was how much of a distraction the Liam Williams business has been to them, um, if at all, or you know, do you, do you get the sense that they're almost resigned to losing him? Uh, well, I think I think so. I mean, th- whenever there's um, talk of a player leaving, you know, such a high-profile one, I think if it's going to distract anyone, it's going to be the player. Um, it's his future that needs sorting and things like that. At the end of the day, um, but yeah, I think I certainly think that um, the start of the season came as a big surprise. I think Pivac wasn't far off being put under real pressure for his job. Um, the start was that bad and I just think that things have started to click for them down there um, they got a couple of good wins under their belt they grinded out a few as well um, just to end uh, the poor run and um, now they're getting back to the Scarlets that we're used to seeing really they, they're a great attack inside um, I love watching the Scarlets when they're in full flow um, and I just think they found their mojo in recent weeks but um, like you said you know, the international is coming back now um, it's just inter- going to be interesting to see how this how this trend continues w- with all the players coming back. It's quite encouraging uh, to see the Dragons have, have clocked up uh, a couple of wins uh, in, the, in the last month. I mean, they're always sort of seen as the poor relations. So Kingsley Jones didn't really get the sort of kickstart down there that he would have wanted to in the first few months of the season. No. Do, you, do you see any hope? Uh, for a second half of the season improvement from them? Um, I think there's always got to be... I think you've got to stay positive around the Dragons, um, otherwise we can sort of write them off and, and put them to one side. So I, I'd, I'd rather be a bit more positive than that. Um, good win over Connaught uh, in the first week of the Autumn Series, 21-16. You know, like I said, Connaught are not the side they were last season, but it's still a good win. Um they got a win over the Scarlets in the Anglo-Welsh Cup. I know that game again spun on a red card. Uh, Jack Conley going for an off-the-ball incident. I believe there was a report of a punch being thrown. But um, So that game spun on that red card and, and they got the win there. And uh, in the first half against Edinburgh last weekend, they were, they were very, very impressive. Um, again, when you're down in the, at the bottom of the league like that, I think a lot depends on what your half-backs do, what your generals around the field do. So what your half-backs are doing, what your pack's doing. And, you know, there were big performances from Ollie Griffiths in that game. He's got a few headlines um, at the early part of this week. And um, Angus O'Brien at fly-half was one that stood out in the first uh, first half. He got a lovely try. Um, and, I'm you know, with, with Angus O'Brien, I'm sort of... You see him perform well, and then he sort of falls away for a little while. And then he comes back, and you 
you give him that because he's such a, a young and he, he was a little bit raw a few years ago as well. But I just want to see him now. He's got a good run in the side because he's, fortunately for him, unfortunately for others, there have been injuries um, to the likes of Nick McLeod. But um, if he can get a good run of games under his belt and get the Dragons moving in the right direction, I mean, you've got Corey Hill coming back in there. Um, obviously played well for Wales during the autumn when he got his chances. Uh, Tyler Morgan coming back to full fitness, I believe. So I know they've lost Hallam Amos for a little while with his shoulder injury. He's probably not going to be back, I don't think, until the new year. I think he's probably racing to make it become fit again for the Six Nations. But, um, you know, as long as Angus O'Brien can get the back line moving um, and they, they can build on this performance, um, it's not going to be easy. They've got Leinster on Saturday. Um, I think isn't the bottom line, though, with the Dragons, they just lack the physicality and the go-forward and the big men when it comes to the, the you know, the nitty-gritty, and even in the, even in the Pro 12. And, of course, I think the other issue is almost academic what they do on the pitch if they don't sort out a buyer for the region between now and you'd have to say the end of the season, you wonder what the future is for the region because uh, well, yeah. you know they can't just let things drag on. The club's for sale. You know who's who's buying it, uh, and if no one's buying it, well, what then? Do they, do they just carry on in a state of flux? Well, they can't. Well, does the union problem. step in? It's well, a lot I, of unanswered questions. I just sort of there is a lot of there are a lot of unanswered questions. I just. My main fear here is that they're sleepwalking into it, and like you said, the longer this drags on, the more anxious I would I would be getting if I was a Dragons fan, and certainly if I was employed by the region, I'd be starting to get a little bit twitchy. But um, you know, that's all to be sorted out behind the scenes. We don't get much of a steer on that kind of thing, but hopefully, like you said, that needs to be sorted out, and the sooner the better. And once it is sorted out and everybody knows where they are in terms of finances and things like that, then they can start thinking about moving forward as a region. But I think as soon as, until that off-field sort of issue is put to bed and, and they know one way or the other, then it's going to be tricky for whoever's going to be trying to get results on the pitch, and whether that be the coaches or the players. Um, just before we wrap up, I'd like to, there's been a few signings in the off-season. Uh, not the off-season, sorry. The off-season. Uh, the autumn series. Uh, we've seen a return of... Nicky Robinson to the Cardiff Blues. Now, when I got that through at the start of the week, I nearly fell off my chair. Um, I had to check the date to see if it was on April 1st. But um, They like the Six Nations bonus point story. <laughs> well, yeah, well. there's that as well. Um, but yeah, Nicky Robinson, what, what's your take on that? He's obviously come in because they've had injuries. Um, Matthew Morgan's going to be pinned to fall back because... Um, Dan Fish is going to be out with a hamstring injury. Jared Evans has got a facial injury, so he's going to be out for a while. So they've turned to the. Uh, oh, the got, what's he got to lose, Nicky? Everyone knows what a talented player he was, uh, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure he's not at the peak of his physical powers uh, as he was uh, ten years ago. But why not? He, he could probably, I dare say, he could he could still quite comfortably do a job in the Guinness Pro 12. He's got that little bit of magic in him as well. Mm. Uh, so yeah it's a shot to nothing I mean it's a short term deal yeah. so uh, he's obviously still got a lot of friends down there he's, he's in a he's in a, a, a not a comfort zone but he's in familiar surroundings so, yeah, of course. so you know why, why not you know he'll probably uh, anyone doubting him he'll probably go and score a hat-trick or something <laughs> in the next game yeah that's it uh, Sam Davis re-signed with the uh, the Ospreys what's your take on yeah, that well, big, big for them yeah I think he he must think that he can Usurp Dan Bigger as first choice. Otherwise, why why would he sign there? Mm. Someone like him, 
who's just starting to make the, the Wales breakthrough. breakthrough. Um, a lot of people will say, well, he should have gone somewhere else. But I, I don't know. It's just not that simple these days with, with rugby and all, all this dual contracts and Gatlin's law business. He's only 23, uh, Sam. So, you know, he's got at least another decade at the top and has got plenty of time to, to go to France or go wherever he wants and, and vary his uh, career and his life experience. So I think what, what I was interested to read was um, his explanation of signing when he said that he genuinely felt that the coaches had helped him improve. Well, great. If he feels that, then you go ahead and stay. And, I get the impression and, he's you know, very comfortable with yeah, it. Yeah, and so... You know, if he's if he's been offered a, a great contract, which I'm sure he has, with a nice pay rise, why not stay where you are? Finally, then you, you mentioned it there briefly. Bonus points in the Six Nations. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. I mean, yeah, um, what do we make of this? I, there's a lot of um, traditionalists I know of who, who hate it. Mm. Um, I, I've never been against it. I, I'm not. I'm not too sure what harm it can do, really. Um, yeah. I think it can only encourage uh, attacking play. I think rugby fans are like football fans. Football fans want to see goals. Rugby fans want to see tries. You've got your aficionados who can appreciate the the finer points of a, a good rolling mall or a, a great set scrum. Fine, that's part of the game, and and forevermore will be. But I, I like I said, you know, and I'm glad there's the safeguard of the three point for the Grand Slam because it would have been ludicrous otherwise. But yeah, but, um, well, just to run you through what they are then. It, the point the scoring systems I'm going to change so you'll get four points for a win you get two points for a draw and you'll get an extra bonus point for scoring four tries or for staying within seven points uh, in a losing situation so it's pretty much your standard bonus point scenario but like you said I think that when it was sort of put out there a while back my main concern was that you could win all all five matches and then not be crowned champions but they've safeguarded that by pretty much making sure you know, you get your three points for winning the Grand Slam. So is that the is that the deciding factor for you in terms of... It is. I mean, I think people who are against it will say, well, look at the brilliant Super Saturdays we've had in the last few seasons. Why, do, you know, they're exciting enough on just the sort of tables, points differential. But then, of course, you know, that relies on teams. You can get two teams vying for the championship and a 25-point points differential. Mm. And... Then you're thinking, well, it's it's a shot in the dark, really. I, yeah. I think I think I, like I said, I do, I don't see what harm it can do, Matt. Uh, and 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 it is only on a trial basis. You know, I I can't see them doing away with it after one season because they'll be left with egg on their faces then. But I don't think it'll happen anyway because it's not. I can't see what negative impact it's going to have. It may not have the desired impact in terms of improving the spectacles. And and, and there's no question. There are still some dull games in the Six Nations, yeah. especially in the earlier rounds. So, um, like I say, let, let's see where we go with it. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us today, Dell, and thanks to you guys for listening um, at home. Don't forget, guys, you can download us uh, the podcast on iTunes, so head over there, search um, Welsh Rugby Podcast, and subscribe, review, comment, do all that nice stuff. Um, uh, keep coming back to us, obviously. Uh, we've got all the regional action coming up this weekend. Uh, we've got uh, the Cardiff Blues and Ulster, Dragons against Leinster, Ospreys, Edinburgh, and Scarlet Zebra. We'll have all the team news, build-up, live coverage, and reaction from those games on Wales Online.